This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 462, for the week of December 16th, 2018. Hello, welcome back once again to Kan Zenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fansite. Kan Zenshu. Yes, sir, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball heroes in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining Julian Rana's streak here. It's been you and I for quite some time. I know. What's up with that? It's pretty it's nice. just like the old days. <laughs> it is, exactly. <laughs> uh, just the two of us actually on a weekly schedule. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, something needs to collapse at some point soon, I suppose. Uh, my name is Mike. You may see me around. Fujito EX. Uh, across from me on the internet, Julian. Hello. Hello, hello. Once again with the identical setup. Yeah. Uh, looks good. Sounds good. Made a couple other tweaks. Uh, I totally forgot yeah. that you mentioned last time that uh, a fan started whirring up halfway through the episode. And as I was editing, I panicked. I'm like, oh, God, I didn't do the right noise removal on this. So I'll try to keep that all in mind uh, as we go forward. But anyway, we come back together once again this week. We kind of already talked about it. We're going to dive into Dragon Ball Heroes material. Uh, nope, not the promo anime. Nope. Not the manga. We are talking about uh, primarily one anniversary guide book that came out, but I do want to dip very briefly to a previous one. Now, Julian, you could say that Dragon Ball Heroes kind of gets a new book every two months because yeah. there's, there's these little guide strategy kind of companion books that come out pretty much alongside every major arcade update, I believe. Pretty much. There's like guides to the new cards and the new techniques you can use and all that fun stuff. Any changes to the ways that you can use old cards? Right, right. And I've, I, <laughs> every once in a while, Heath and I kind of like look at each other and go, "Are you going to add that to the video game guide page?" No. Uh. Oh, all right, all right. I'll add it. <laughs> There's so many of them. Every couple of years, like we kind of catch up and then we fall behind again. Uh, we're not talking about those. There are two important guidebooks for Dragon Ball Heroes. I suppose you could say the fifth anniversary book, which came out on the fifth anniversary of Dragon Ball Heroes, and most recently, the one we're really going to talk about, the eighth anniversary Dragon Ball, well, Super Dragon Ball Heroes guidebook. Uh, that one's got a few more interviews than the previous one, which really only had one interview. I guess you could say uh, kind of like the, the big draw of the fifth anniversary book, I felt anyway, was the conclusion to Dragon Ball Heroes Victory Mission by Toyotaro. Uh, after being on hiatus for a while, I got a final, in quotes there, uh, 29th chapter. No victory mission here in the eighth anniversary book, but a good amount of content, uh, interviews, multiple interviews, comments from lots of people, and of course, all the usual strategy stuff that we're not going to talk about, but that's what's on deck this episode. A brief dive into the fifth anniversary book, some comments there, and then jumping ahead to the eighth anniversary book. If you've uh, been listening for a couple months, you may remember, uh, Julian, when you and I went through some of the interviews in the 30th anniversary super history book, it's going to be a similar kind of style where you're going to read through the interviews in Japanese, uh, and then we're just going to talk about them kind of one by one, what's in there. And it's a, a good excuse for us to talk about content that has not been formally translated on the site, but to get that content out there a little bit in some way, and then we come back and revisit it. And you've mentioned that you kind of like doing it this way. Uh, I guess let's have a little quasi yeah. side inside baseball conversation. What does that do for you from a, a translation perspective? Uh, you've said it really helps you kind of like figure out what kind of turn of phrase you might use in some respects. Yeah, for, for some reason, saying it out loud kind of gets in my head the kind of phrasing that I want to use versus just looking at the words on, on the page. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of handy because uh, one of the things about translating stuff is you kind of have to figure, would somebody actually say that? Yeah, especially when we're talking about an interview where there's an actual question and an actual answer. And yeah, it's probably been a little edited and condensed for the book, but this is a real person giving a real answer. So it's going to be quasi-conversational, I suppose. Right. And that's something you run into a lot, even some of my translations, is if you're trying to be literal, especially in the kind of interview content that fans are going to nitpick over, well, yeah, to get all the information in, it becomes kind of unnatural and stilted. So, it, you know, I, but I try to get things a little bit more uh, readable and uh, sayable, if you will, yeah, these days. Yeah. Hey, speaking of translation, it's been a fun week on Kanzenshu with, uh, you, didn't, <laughs> you, you didn't do this one. Jake did uh, Gogeta versus Vegito, and that's certainly been fun to track across the internet as people either <laughs> care 
I don't know. That's not how I want to say. It. I was going to say like care too much about it, but that's that's not right. And I don't want to come across that way. Ah, it's really hard to to put into into words there. I mean, for us, it's very obvious. Like even describing it as promotional doesn't get across. The, the way to describe it. Like it's literally Vegito was going to be on TV in a couple of weeks. Make sure you watch it. Right. And it's just a bunch of words on a page to say that. Exactly. It's jump. It's trying to get you the reader of the comic to also watch it on TV. And, you know, although it may or may not be checked over by the author at this point, the series was over. So we're kind of assuming he's like, <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that's the funny thing is uh, people, this is one of those key details that gets missed, especially when it gets repurposed on other sites, not naming names here. Uh, this was from 1995. Just because we happened to put it up right now doesn't mean or infer anything. And it's not new information, uh, even though you may not have read it before. It's the kind of thing like that's been sitting there since 1995. It's right. been known. It's been documented not necessarily in English in the forefront of fandom over here, but like it's always been there and it's nothing particularly special in that regard. Exactly. And you see, again, not naming names, but suddenly it's a new article. Well, it's not really new. It's just something that we decided to put up, you know, because we figured it might be tangentially relevant to other things. And it's not like we don't know what we're doing when we post something like that. Like, it's it's very obvious what we're doing. Like, we're we're being promotional for something that is right. promotional that, in turn, is also a third step removed promotional. But Absolutely. We also do uh, very careful work to contextualize the things that we put up. It's done at this time in response to this, and it's done for this purpose. Yeah, we yeah. don't leave that out. Places that run with the stuff that we put up don't always adhere, well, rarely adhere, <laughs> never adhere, <laughs> to that level of uh, of uh, detail, unfortunately. That's the thing that kills me. Like, it's all right there. And if you're going to just copy it anyway, <laughs> like if you're literally copying and pasting, just go ahead and copy and paste the whole thing. Like, I'd rather you just do that. Anyway, all right. So that's yeah. that. Uh, let's leave that all behind. There's plenty of cool things for you to read. Yes. This is why I let Jake do all of the in-universe stuff, okay? I'm not touching that. All right. Well, then let's jump out of universe our episode here talking about Dragon Ball Heroes, guidebook stuff, real comments from real people. Uh, let's just get on into it. So again, let's dive back to the fifth anniversary book. Uh, there were comments from Toriyama, Nozawa, Horikawa. Uh, those actually were kind of repurposed from a live stream that was happening around that time, which are already translated on the site. So don't really need to get into them there. And they're really just basic congratulatory messages uh, anyway. But I do want to note the Toyotaro and Yoshitaka Nagayama comments because it's not just a congratulatory comment, but they talk about the cards and the characters a little bit. And they do that again in the eighth anniversary book. So, Julian, can you uh, give us a little overview of what they're talking about here uh, a few years ago in the fifth anniversary book? Yes. So, well, in addition to uh, having a short comment uh, regarding um, just, you know, Dragon Ball Heroes getting to that milestone, each of them also brings up uh, their character that they like in the game, as well as their favorite avatar. So, Torio Taro, who at the time, at least, was uh, known primarily for uh, Victory Mission, although he had already... Uh, started the Dragon Ball Super comic at this point, but he says, congratulations, uh, Dragon Ball Heroes is a work, as uh, a very important work that uh, changed my life like nothing else, and uh, I just want to keep going on and uh, keep giving enjoyment to kids across Japan, so I'll be giving it my support. And his favorite character is listed as Broly with a comment <laughs> yes a at any rate he he is evil looking and strong looking and cool again this is from three years ago we're not saying this for any particular reason it just so happens all right yep and his favorite hero avatar is the male scion oh you don't say yes and in other words the beat 
character. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's Toyotaro. Again, at, at this point, it's good to put in context. Uh, he's basically done with Victory Mission. The final extra chapter 29 debuted alongside this in the guidebook, uh, had done the introductory Resurrection F. And uh, yeah, I don't remember actually the release date. It isn't in front of me, but the book came out in November 2015. So yeah, uh, Toyotaro was four chapters into the Dragon Ball Super manga uh, at this point. So then we have Yoshitaka Nagayama. Again, at this point, Julian was uh, the charisma mission guy. Yes, so he was responsible for that sort of nothing gag comic where the human mascots of the of the game basically get into funny shenanigans vaguely related to the new techniques or characters introduced in that current inter- iteration of uh, Dragon Ball Heroes. Over time, uh, that eventually morphed into the Dark Demon Realm mission, which uh, was a more serious yet still gag-filled take on the current story arc in the manga, and I think he's into the next phase of that now. Yeah, we're into universe missions. So again, putting this in context, this is November 2015. Uh, Dark Demon Realm doesn't start up until the September 2016 issue. So, you know, maybe under a year from now. So he's still that far out from starting up kind of like a real manga series over in Psycho Jump. Right. And so his comment for uh, the fifth anniversary book is congratulations on your fifth anniversary. More than anything else, he's happy to be able to take part in such a uh, long, um, a long running and uh, beloved game. And he believes that uh, Dragon Ball Heroes will continue to evolve and uh, and he will continue to uh, bring uh, some fun to the fans of uh, Dragon Ball Heroes through his own uh, charisma mission by continuing to brush up their uh, these human mascots known as the charisma through their gag routines and their he specifically points out the Boke and Tsukomi, which is the sort of the funny man and the straight man in um, uh, Japanese manzai humor. And uh, so he asks people to continue giving their support to both Dragon Ball Heroes and uh, specifically Super Charisma Mission. And uh, after that, it gives his two favorites here. So his favorite avatar is the Majin character, who's a nice guy that combines both cuteness and uh, a man's romance. And then his, it's so cool looking. It's like this fat boo character in this like knight's armor with a cape. Pretty much, yeah. And then his favorite character is Hachihaku from the uh, Plan to Eradicate the Science. It's the first rare card that he ever got. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna see uh, as we transition into eighth anniversary. These uh, long forgotten characters are not so long and forgotten anymore. So again, there's a lot more in the fifth anniversary book, but I wanted to note those because uh, these two people do the exact same thing again in the eighth anniversary book. So let's go ahead and pull that up here. So here we are in the eighth anniversary book. Again, a similar thing. Uh, congratulatory comments, kicking things off. Let's go in the same order here. Toyotaro, uh, he's providing some artwork as well, which is very nice of the expected male cyan hero avatar character. Uh, yes. But let's talk about a uh, favorite character here that he notes. You know, we're coming off of Nagayama three years ago talking about Hachiyak. Here we have Toyotaro being like, hey, Ozoto's cool. Yeah, so... Um he brings up Majin Ozoto, and he says, uh, uh, more than anything else, it's because it's a character that Toriyama Sensei himself designed. And he had been uh, hoping for it to be become a card in the game for, uh, for several years now. And um, so he's looking forward to its uh, future use and his future role in the game, I guess. I guess we can say, you mentioned that Hachiyak is from Plan to Eradicate the Science, originally a Famicom game, then a Playdia game, and onward from there, we've gone over this history. Ozoto, uh, if you're following along with Heroes, you may have been seeing him a bit recently. Originally from Dragon Ball Z VR versus a Sega arcade game from 1994, first-person fighting game. It was used in that one thing and then sort of forgotten about and then finally brought back 20, 
four years later. We, I would say recently, somewhere within the last, you know, five years feels like recently to me. Uh, we, we looked at the, uh, the readme files on the actual legends, Idainaru, Dragon Ball, Densetsu. Uh, there was a consideration for maybe throwing Ozoto into legends then. But yeah, other than that one possible consideration that we know about, uh, never since use since 1994 and reappeared here recently in Super Dragon Ball Heroes. So, uh, so right. it was like, hey, Zoto's pretty cool. Toriyama designed him. All right. And it all he, uh, next to that, it also brings up his favorite ability. It says Noryoku. But then um, the thing that he points out as the ability is the seventh universe's ultimate uh, fighter unit, which, in, in according to the picture, would appear to be Goku and... Gohan and Vegeta by the looks of things it's hard to tell because it's pretty is that adult Gotenks uh I think it's adult Gohan it doesn't look like Gotenks well it could be it's hard to tell because it's really tiny but he says it's uh it's the best it's got a lot of force and they're all in their most powerful form and um and Vegeta is using uh the gamma burst flash which is something that Toyotaro himself came up with uh, to do the final attack. So that's why he, he likes that. Like you mentioned, Gamma Burst Flash, that is a technique exclusive to Vegeta, exclusively in the Dragon Ball Super manga uh, comicalization. So yeah, uh, I actually didn't know that that showed up in the game. That's pretty cool there. Yeah. And then he's got a uh, shikishi or a, a sign board that he's used to have an illustration of the Saiyan hero avatar in Super Saiyan Blue saying congratulations. Should I uh, move over to the uh, Yoshitaka Nagayama side here? Yes, let's move on. We ha- we kind of have a repeat here, actually. Yes, so he once again um, uh, refers to uh, Hachihaku as his favorite card in the series. He, he mentioned at the time of the seventh anniversary, I'm not sure if he means the fifth anniversary, it's the first rare card that he got, but he also said that there was no change in his feelings. It's a card that uh, has uh, deep memories for him, or has uh, very, very powerful memories for him. <clears throat> Mentions his favorite character in this case is Majin Sarusa. The reason he gives is because is uh, he he looks cute, but is actually a cool uh, genius, and the gap between those things is what he he likes about it. Uh, he's the kind of character who would probably get angry at you if you called him cute. But it's cute. <laughs> One of those. All right. Yeah. Now tell me about the uh, the move that he's talking about here, because I remember this coming up quite a bit uh, with some of the characters that I use over in uh, Ultimate Mission X. This uh, move is Freeze. I specifically remember using, I think it's the the Time Patrol version of Trunks, where ah. Cr- Cronoa shows up and they freeze time and you get off some attacks there. Okay. Yeah. So um, one of the reasons is that it's a miraculous ability. And or uh, almost a divine ability, and also in the in the comic of uh, Dark Demon Realm Mission, it's uh, used by the um, the Kaioshin of Time. Is that Kronoa? Yep, yep. Uh, in order to uh, overcome a crisis, so and then in the game as well, you can um, counter your opponent's attack. So it's extremely something he's extremely grateful to be able to use. As a, as a technique. Let's transition over to some of the interviews. Uh, I guess let's kick it off with what I'm assuming is going to be one of the most interesting ones, and that's Tadayoshi Yamamuro himself, uh, character designer uh, throughout Dragon Ball Super and continues to work and animate with Dragon Ball Heroes. I'm assuming we're going to chat mostly about... The promotional anime, because that's a big thing that's going on right now. And as this book was coming out, we're looking at like episode five-ish release time frame. Although cards are also mentioned here as well. So Julian, give me a tour of his brief two-page interview here. Yes. So they specifically mention him in the context of being the uh, character design and uh, chief, or not chief animation, but the animation supervisor for the Prison Planet arc in terms of the uh, Super Dragon Ball Heroes animation. And they said that it was almost uh, when, as they were completing uh, episode five and about to start on episode six. So he's talking almost exclusively about this uh, animation and a little bit about uh, his involvement with the card game as well. To start with, he talks about his uh, first experience working 
with um, the pl- Prison Planet arc. So the first time he um, was got uh, a wind of it was uh, around the beginning of 2018, and um, he was obviously working on Dragon Ball Super at the time. And uh, he figured, um, well, as long as it's after that finishes up, I suppose it'll I'll be able to do it kind of thing like uh might might, might be able to manage <laughs> well just to help put that in, in context again uh so if he's talking in the beginning of 2018 uh well super comes to a close uh at the end of march 2018 so there's a little bit of overlap there but i mean the planning makes sense right and he figured well if it's only seven minutes an episode i suppose it'll work out somehow there was a lot of things he had to do in that time with regards to the story and there was a lot of action, so there might even be uh, more a larger number of cuts compared to the TV series. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's yeah, okay. <laughs> yep. As the animation supervisor, he looked over all of or did all of the the checks uh, for the whole thing. But in the um, Prison Planet arc, you have a small number of uh, very talented people who are all on the level of a TV series. Um, animation supervisor so he he has no complaints they're a small number of very very sharp people and it was a a very high class group he uses shosu seiei and then um, he next he's talking specifically about few and the challenges to doing his character design so he mentions uh, well in terms of the character designs there were mostly character designs from Bandai so he tried to do his best to interpret those um, in his or rather in Toriyama sensei's manner and uh, make the animation character designs from there. But um, the one that he had trouble with was few. For one thing, his hair is white, and so you can't put in white highlights because it's already white. Mm. Um, so he tried to put in some rather strong shadows in it instead, not to the point of looking like an old man, which is one of the dangers if you have white hair. Oh, so he was careful I, about that. Yeah. <clears throat> in terms of the action... Uh, he had um, had this mandate that he that few was uh, um, going to take his weapon with uh, with a backhanded grip. Yeah. So we spot check this. This was from episode five itself. This is when, you know, everything's kind of like going to hell on the prison planet and things are starting to break. He shows up and he pulls his sword out kind of like behind his back out of the sheath. Yes. At first, he thought that few was going to be a very quiet character, but a not really. <laughs> <laughs> you got Kabe Yamaguchi in there. And like, you can't have him be super quiet. When he gets mad, he becomes a dangerous guy. And um, also, um, because of that, he was able to make a kind of action that's different from uh, all the other Dragon Ball things that have been up till now. Hmm. Uh, because, after all, um, in Dragon Ball, there's trunks, basically, among people who fight with a weapon. And in terms of the character, um, um, he's the kind of character who hasn't appeared very much up till now. And, um, of course, uh, Kape Yamaguchi's voice is good. And then, uh, continuing on the theme of character designs, he goes on to talk about Cumber, the, uh, the new character who first appears in this animation, the evil scion. So it was, it was hard to animate him, because for one thing, it's hard to bring out emotions because he's wearing a mask so normally you'd like make a little smirk on on the on the mouth or something in order to just give a a sense of what he's feeling but of course you can't do that because it's covered up so he had to was forced to do that instead with just the eyes i was gonna say you look at the eyes the eyebrows in particular it's kind of really all you can do with the gumber right and then even when he becomes uh, a giant ape or a giant monkey and Ozaru, it's, it was also difficult because in comparison with Goku and company, he has to make sure that he's bring out that sense of size. It's hard to have someone that big fighting against small enemies. Uh, but when looking at uh, an old, old movie, which I'm assuming is probably Dragon Ball Z movie three, because that has, because uh, Gohan, actually the the giant monkey actually jumps around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So 
it probably would have been okay to actually have him do more of that. Yeah, he, he, he thinks just now floats there. <laughs> also, after he stomps on Goku, he doesn't wasn't really able to move very much, and he laughs at that. And uh, moving on to the next section, he's talking specifically about Kula. This has been a major point of contention, I feel, with the the promo anime. Kula transforms, and then if he gets one line per episode, great, but otherwise he's just standing there with his arms crossed. He brings that up, actually. It does it hard. So, yeah. So, but he starts out with the character design. Kula's difficulty lies in... Um, the the area of his uh the around his forehead and also mm-hmm. things like the angle of his horns uh and having that move in animation is 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 hard oh oh so he, so he didn't okay and if he recalls correctly a long time ago he was the one who was responsible for for doing the cut where Kula is done in at the end. And he, he did uh, the key animation for that. Oh, all right. But when he, when he is finally killed, the uh, touch of it, the, the line work ends up sort of being completely uh, obliterated by, by the, uh, the light effects going on there. <laughs> so you can't really see it at all. Is he, is he talking about movie five at this point? Yeah, it, I looked it up. Yeah, he, specifically movie five. Okay, because yeah, he gets blasted into the sun. And yeah, he's listed as key animation on this movie. So if he says he did it, sure. Yeah. So to think that he'd once again have to do Kula, which he has that uh, particular memory attached to. <laughs> uh, and Jeez, to think I'm, that- I'm sorry. I'm just going down the list of animators in, in movie five. And, you know, animators are it's something I'm quasi interested in, but it's not my, you know, Forte or anything, but I'm going down the list. Akatsuru, Sato, Yamamoto, Ide. <laughs> this movie's kind of like got a little bit of who's who going on in it. I like movie five. Yeah, it's, it's a little fun one. And to think that uh, Kula would end up becoming a golden Kula, although this time he's uh, pretty much just a bystander. <laughs> he, he would rather have had him um, continue or to fight more. In the next part, he's saying um, that he'd he'd like to do a kind of action that hasn't been done before. Uh, so he's in terms of the action, he's done a lot of uh, different things up till now. Uh, honestly, it he starts to not be able to recall what kind of thing he's done before and what he hasn't. Sometimes he would like to do something that's a little strange or different, and he tries not to have something that ends up being, oh, actually, I did something like this before, didn't I? Mm. <laughs> but sometimes it does uh, end up being... Some, like what he's done before. And in in Dragon Ball in particular, there's this thing that goes on sometimes where they're fighting, where you have sort of this loop of uh, several different, several frames of animation. He doesn't really like that kind of thing. He uh, There are people who say that's that's very Dragon Ball-like, but, mm. um, and, and after all, it is something where it, it's finished once you draw three to five frames of animation, but he'd rather have them actually fight. This makes sense. You, you think about him, he's got the martial arts experience, the, the choreography experience. Uh, that was something that was was praised in Resurrection F to a degree when he was not only right. doing animation, but also directing there. I mean, the, the choreography there, you know, say what you will about the framing of it and the composition of it, but I mean, it flowed and looked nice. Yes. So he was, he's saying like to have the one character duck, duck the person who's coming in to hit them and then to counterattack. Uh, he'd, he'd really like to put that kind of thing in as much as possible. So yeah, you can see that in, for example, Re- Resurrection F. And um, he also um, did um, two uh, illustrations in particular for a Universe Mission 5 for the okay. cards. Uh, and those are the ones that are at the top of the page here. I guess we can say it's Super Saiyan 4 Vegito and Ultra Instinct Goku. And apart from the coloring, he did everything himself on those. And um, when you just do the initial sketch and then have others uh, do uh, the actual line art, then the nuance changes. Uh, So, for example, there are parts where you would rather have the line get a little thicker, but it's thinner if somebody else does it. Mm. So this time he was able to draw until he was personally satisfied with it. And he also um, directed the coloring as well and checked it. He had a request from Bandai in order to make the shadows deep and dark. So he did um, the, the direction on the shadows and highlights as well. One of the most important parts he mentions is the eyes. If they're too small, the character looks weak. And if they're too big, it doesn't look cool. 
And if they're just a little bit off, it looks weird. And after all, the people looking at the card, that's the first thing that their eyes go to mm, is the, yeah. the eyes of the character. So that it's that important. He's got a lot of smart things to say about drawing here. It's almost as if someone's a professional has been doing this for multiple decades. Right. Uh, <laughs> that is true. And uh, then there's getting into the uh, wrap up for the um, prison planet arc. Um, there's a lot of different scenes in uh, the the sixth episode. But because it's the the last one, the he also wants to put out put in a lot of action. But then the number of cuts will also get bigger and there won't be enough time for them. So he's hoping that everyone will enjoy it uh, just as much as he struggled with it. We're getting that pretty soon. It's coming out. I think it's time with Jump Festa, isn't it? That would make sense. About around that time, I think. Also, Goku's That will appear. So please look forward to it. No. All right. Goku's That. Goku no Are. I hope, I hope he's not exposing himself. He did, he did plenty <laughs> of that in Dragon Ball. I'm assuming we're going to get Ultra Instinct in this. If he's oh, talking. probably. I, I, I was still hoping to maybe see Super Saiyan 4 Blue Gokarot. Goku and his counterpart fusing into their respective strongest forms coming soon probably that'll get there eventually with giant heroes uh good times good times and just at the bottom it shows uh uh character design galari not <laughs> gallery galari. oh my god <laughs> uh so pointing out uh golden kula with his horns the uh character of few particularly uh difficult parts there then there's goku zeno in super saiyan 4 golden ozaru Cumber and uh, final. Well, I guess if you're looking, it's really right to left here. But the the first one on the second page is uh, Akuno Saiyajin. Yes, the evil Saiyan in his full mask and metal straight jacket. Straight jacket. Thing. <laughs> so that is that for Yamamuro's interview there. All right. So what do we learn from this? I guess not a whole lot. His his point about, hey, I, I remember doing something with Kula. Interesting. Okay. I never thought this would come back to haunt me. All right. That, that's kind of interesting. I like his yeah. points uh, about doing the, the artwork for the cards. That's cool. You don't really think about that. Yeah. Someone's got to do the cards. It's always this nebulous promo artist uh, somewhere at Bandai Namco is right. doing all the art. All right. Cool. Yamamuro did a couple cards there. It's, it's neat to... Uh, to hear what he's thinking about as he's doing the composition on the cards there and looking ahead, working on this promo anime and when he was first approached about it. All right, cool. We learned it was earlier this year. And uh, I mean, that ties in with what we think they've been doing with the Dragon Ball franchise over the course of 2018, just keeping it in the public consciousness. It mo- He's mostly talking about a thing that we don't care about all that much. Well, that's not entirely true. I begrudgingly care about it. Yes, it's something that we have to put on the site. So we need to learn about it. But, you know, it's it's interesting, uh, the, the kind of things, the kind of perspective that he approached it with, especially um, this is a longtime veteran animator on the series who has worked as a character designer and supervisor uh, for decades. And so he, he has a very strong perspective, whether you agree with it or not is another question, but he is clearly a professional who knows what he's doing. We're going to do one more interview out of the book. I I think we're going to hold on to the world mission interview for maybe next time there's some larger world mission news or maybe even when the game comes out. I'm assuming there'll be more of a promotional lead up to the game in the coming months. But anyway, so this is producer Wataru Higuchi uh, on Super Dragon Ball Heroes. Now, Julian, there's... Actually, a comic lead up to his one page interview. Uh, we're not yes. going to go through the whole comic, but he does have a really um, this is the kind of stuff that I love. He's got a comment about uh, something, uh, a move in the game, how fans thought something changed. Uh, it's a really just neat little tidbit here. Yes. So he was troubled by um, the charge impact timing. So when Super Dragon Ball Heroes uh, went live, it was not the end, of course. There's other missions, but. Uh, even for that particular uh, update, they had some challenges. Um, there were a lot of people saying that the charge impact is different from the original Dragon Ball Heroes. And in fact, from the planning stages, they had determined that was something they shouldn't mess with. So they left alone the programming and the buttons from Dragon Ball Heroes. And yet uh, some of the users didn't feel that way. So they had some users cooperate with them. 
and uh, made the adjustments. It was tricky because there was no real uh, correct answer, and um, they felt that maybe one of the reasons was that um, it was connected to the quality of the graphics, the resolution, because the original Dragon Ball Heroes was in SD, um, standard definition, and so it was a little, maybe a little blurry, and so people would sort of mentally fill in the parts that weren't quite visible, but with Super Dragon Ball Heroes, it became HD, and so you could see everything down to the dot, to the pixel. So it maybe felt different, even if it actually wasn't. Mm, yeah, yeah. But once they had uh, finished the adjustments, people stopped complaining about it, and some of the users <laughs> even said that it got better. So, um, but they spent a long time uh, trying to pinpoint the cause of that, so they were relieved. It's so funny how it's technically, mathematically exactly the same. Nothing has changed, but because of the kind of like external factors of, of playing the game, it, it feels different. So then you have to code to the feeling rather than the actuality. And I, I don't envy that kind of position. Right. Right, so that's just one little comment. But then he does have a, a, a one single page interview here. So what's Higuchi talking about? Yes. So the comic leading up to this talks about the going from Dragon Ball Heroes to Super Dragon Ball Heroes. So now this is talking about what he wants to do further on uh, coming up in the future. So he's uh, they're, they're asking about uh, what future story developments there might be. And it actually is uh, right as the interview is being done. It's at the stage where they're coming up with concepts for uh, what comes after universe mission. And so it's coming down to the point where they really need to start putting it together. And, and they've only just started uh, working on it. <laughs> so, and of course he can't really talk about the story but there's uh, something from a little bit before, uh, but in uh, Dragon Ball Heroes um, God Mission, uh, the Dark Demon Realm arc, yeah, Trunks uh, Zeno appears in that. But actually, he first appeared a little bit in something, but even before that, the uh, Jaokuryu mission, the um, Evil Dragon mission. Perhaps in the same way. Um, that will be a hint for the new series in, okay. in that perhaps uh, maybe they're even already involved somehow with universe mission. All right. Got some time patrolling going on. All right. Or maybe, or maybe they won't. It's hard to say. <laughs> okay. And in terms of recent stuff, that's uh, the revival of Mechikabula. Um, so in universe mission four, uh, the uh, Majin Demigra uh, arc at the end of that, in the last mission, um, it's revealed that he is being revived, uh, but he doesn't appear immediately. It's a little bit further ahead. Uh, he can't say what update it's going to be, but uh, when he does reappear, it will be in a surprising form. So by all means, please look forward to it. And you, he'd also like people to pay attention to what happens afterward for both uh, the Kaioshin of Time and Toa. In terms of the things he wants to do in the future, in terms of that, uh, the big picture, um, he'd like to take into account user all the users' opinions and make it so they can play it uh, even more comfortably in the future. Uh, but he'd like to have some time in order to uh, in, invest on that. In, Dragon, in Super Dragon Ball Heroes, he feels like, uh, compared to other uh, arcade titles, including including from other companies, they put in about f uh, three times the volume every, every update. But it's not just the volume, but they pay attention to all the, the little things as they uh, continue their project, or at least they try to. Although he uh, can't make a concrete promise uh, for a long time, uh, there's been a request from users to uh, add in another save spot. So currently, uh, there's uh, five spots for each round, but there's a lot of people who want to add one more that he hears at things like events. But this is actually quite difficult. At some point, uh, at some at some time, he would like to uh, increase the number of that. So if you are a player. That's um, you can look forward to that in the future. He would continue to like to do new things, 
This is the eighth anniversary book, of course, but it's not like he's been doing the same thing for these past eight years, but rather that he's always trying to continue to um, put out uh, new things over over the past eight years to really um, um, help the the user's anticipation, uh, make them wonder what's going to come up next. Um, so he's always trying out new things. And in terms of that, um, that's what hasn't changed. Just, uh, just as it was eight years ago, they are still continuing to put that at the forefront. There's always trying new things, changing things up, and making it interesting for uh, the players so in order to continue doing that, the uh, Super Dragon Ball Heroes team will come together and uh, continue to put in things that they have never done before. So he wants people to uh, to expect that. I decided that we're actually going to talk about this comic because <laughs> what I sent you is just uh, the last page and then the interview. But there's some cool tidbits in the five-page comic leading up to his interview. Uh, so give me the rundown here. What's going on? The comic itself is just basically about his struggles in uh, bringing Dragon Ball Heroes and then Super Dragon Ball Heroes to life, and that he's had he had many, many, many uh, rejected proposals in the process. Uh, but the most interesting things are the little tidbits that he gives at the bottom of the page. Uh, like the comment that I gave you before I ran down the interview, there's a few other similar comments here. Um, so the one on the first page, he's, um, he's talking about how they really planned on having ways to use, uh, cards from previous missions in, uh, Super Dragon Ball Heroes. So at, at first when they were developing Super Dragon Ball Heroes, they wanted something completely brand new, something different from Dragon Ball Heroes. They were planning on actually not using the, uh, Dragon Ball Heroes cards, but, these there's tons of cards already out there the users have come, grown accustomed to using them they're very important to them they're and they're the users assets is the way he puts it so he felt like they couldn't just make them so they couldn't be used he decided while saying that they would make something different or something new he um planned on having a way for to use the older cards and at first, they came up with all these sort of weird uh, things to try, like uh, having uh, your uh, allies on the bottom on the bottom screen and enemies on the top screen, uh, or having some sort of like um, uh, hit the target type game. Um, but through all these sort of uh, detours and dead ends, they uh, just made it so that you could use the old cards as normal. And uh, moving on to the next page. There's actually a surprising thing that um, the word Super in Super Dragon Ball Heroes came from. And so Super Dragon Ball Heroes um, was at first called Dragon Ball Next uh, in, in as a project. After that, it became Dragon Ball Heroes 2. Uh, but ultimately, it, of course, it became Super Dragon Ball Heroes. And the origin of Super is, well, of course, in Dragon Ball, there is Super Saiyan. But um, the biggest reason is because, personally, his own experience, when he was a child, when the Famicom became the Super Famicom, or in the U.S. it would have been when the NES became the Super NES, it was a, a generational shift, if you will. At the time, it was a massive increase in power for the hardware, and uh, he w was extremely moved and impressed by that so they came up with a whole bunch of different names but remembering how he felt when uh this dream machine came out when he was a kid uh and also because dragon ball super had started and just to express that it is that awesome that's how they decided to make it super dragon ball heroes there's um the reason for special cards which I, I take to be something that were introduced to Super Dragon Ball Heroes, but uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. So in the original, um, from the original Dragon Ball Heroes uh, and continuing on to now, uh, they really wanted to um, have as many characters in the game as possible. And really, they'd even like to have the, um, the farmer with a battle power of five in the game. As is, you can't really use him in the, the high-powered fighting realm of Dragon Ball Heroes. And, of course, Bulma is also a popular character, but um, you can't really use her as a fighting character because 
Chi's just an ordinary human who's good with machines. So in order to have those kind of uh, characters be able to appear, uh, they created the special cards. One more reason is the uh, the Grand Priest. Uh, if they made him a battle character, he'd be too strong. It would be it would feel out of place if they just made him have normal abilities. Um, so if you have him as a special card, uh, backing up his allies, you can have him in in a deck and be useful without feeling out of place. And also uh, now that you have uh, seven card slots on the on the playing field they have the uh they have the room to put in those extra cards and so that was also a reason i kind of felt that way when battle of gods was first coming out and yeah beerus became a playable character because all right he, he fights in the movie we get to see him actually fight but before we ever really did anything like even training goku and vegeta having him as a a playable character in the games felt really off for a while it started in dragon ball heroes i forget what the move was we were like oh he has a named move interesting and then uh, was it battle of z or maybe xenoverse or maybe both when he was playable before he ever really did anything like i i totally get where he's coming from it's like this doesn't feel right this character's just leagues above everyone else this feels weird so in order to have these sort of either under or overpowered characters uh, exist alongside the fighters without feeling out of place. They have this special card. Who, sort of, I guess you could say like support cards. Yeah, support, yeah. And then the other comment, which is the second to last comment, the last comment is the one that I did before the interview. It turns out that uh, Higuchi is a Brolist, which is, uh, <laughs> he's, he's uh, an acolyte of Broly. The card he likes, has always liked the most from Dragon Ball Heroes into Super Dragon Ball Heroes, has been Broly Dark. He he loves the character of Broly, and the the bet then his uh, favorite among those uh, the Broly cards is Broly Dark. Uh, he thinks he really is cool, and that uh, particularly in the uh, Dark Empire arc, his rampage where where it's like yeah he isn't really brainwashed is he that, uh-huh. for him that was the best and <laughs> he just he broly is uh, this character who just innocent just purely loves destruction uh he enjoys destruction and and he's able to do as he pleases uh with the spot as the strongest and he thinks that's just amazing having this character with this completely irrational kind of strength it uh really makes you feel how deep dragon ball is and as he and, and as he is talking right now of course he hasn't even seen the new uh dragon ball super broly movie so he is really looking forward to seeing the new broly appear this is absurd <laughs> this is in official publications but you know what fans we're at the point now where People who were kids, teenagers, and even young adults are now the ones responsible for shaping the future of the franchise. Yes. So to paraphrase what he just said, his power is maximum. Yep. That's pretty much what he said there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Julian, that was a a super brief look at this Heroes 8th Anniversary book. Uh, There's another interview in there. Obviously, there's lots of commentary on the cards, but even more on character designs and just anything you can think of with heroes it's not the kind of thing we talk about a lot uh but it's important to cover and acknowledge it's a big thing going on right now and i continue to occasionally open up the 3ds and poke away ultimate mission x a little more yes you you and cypher are are doing the commies work i felt left out when he was starting to put up screenshots i'm like hey i can do that too i was doing that no i want to join in on the fun again so yeah here's my old bardock team here's my old broly team i'm winning with these teams this is stupid I'm interested in what would happen if I pitted the two of you against each other. I'm kind of assuming he would win by virtue of actually being able to read what's on screen, but... I can read very, very slowly. (laughs) Yes, but can you understand what it says? I mean, it's all in game terms, so it's it's not that hard. You're talking about stamina and key, and you piece it together pretty quickly. Okay. But but yes, (laughs) too slow to actually have any reaction time. Like, I'm going to throw these characters together and see what they do. Oh, all right. This works. (laughs) Yeah, it's dumb, but it's, uh, 
It's dumb. Anyway, so Julian, what else is going on on Konzenshu these days? So we were just talking about this. Maybe someday you'll do formal translations. It's not the uh, the most immediate thing, which right. is why we like doing it on the podcast. Uh, you've been telling me something about a Toriyama library interview you were reading? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the Kyoto City Library has a monthly newsletter they put out. And they also put it up on their website as a PDF. And for December, they actually had uh, uh, Toriyama come in and uh, talk to them a little bit. And a little bit, they try to get him to talk about library stuff, but it, he, he makes it clear that he, he doesn't really come to the library and he doesn't read all that much. <laughs> so he doesn't have that much to say about that part. Although um, there's apparently a display going on in the library of the work of uh, Takashi Matsuyama, who is uh, Toriyama's former assistant during the latter half of Dr. Slump and all of Dragon Ball. Gotcha. Um, so he talks a little bit about Matsuyama and then he has a little message for the fans at the end. So I'd like to put that up in the near future. Yeah, that's nice. It's not that long. So it'd be a nice little addition to the library. The PDF is free. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website of the Kyoso City Library and navigate to their newsletter page all right uh other than that you know we're just trucking along everyone's working on their things and we're heading toward the end of another calendar year and that means another year for the site the new movie is officially coming out in uh as we are recording this what five days yeah i suppose that is a thing that's coming very soon (laughs) yes uh i actually won't be in japan for the premiere i'm hoping to be in japan while it's still in theaters and maybe even take my kids along maybe give my wife a little bit of a break (laughs) (laughs) Um, sure that's how you're framing it. I wanted to be there for the holidays, but the ticket prices at uh, the end of December were just ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm sure. I, I, I have other things I need to spend them on, like my children and my wife. <laughs> so, I was going to say, like old jump issues. Yes, that too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that said, um, I do plan on being out in Japan while the movie is still in theaters. It's just not quite yet. But uh, that being said... Uh, we do have movie stuff coming to the site. Oh, we do. That is what's going on right now. So thank you, Julian. Uh, That was Julian, as I said. Uh, We also have Heath. We have a Jake. Uh, I have been Mike. www.kanzenshuu.com. That is kanzenshu.com. You are listening to the website that is also a podcast in your ears right now. Go to the place to get the things. And actually, for whatever it's worth, I'm cutting in here from the future this episode was recorded a week or two weeks ago and then we missed the release for the week it was supposed to be for and here we are releasing it now and that shifted things not too terribly but we still have plenty of cool things coming up this month uh so that's what's going on uh i guess that was it give the site and you know you're already listening to us you already know who we are uh wrap it up then all right well thank you for listening to this week's edition of konzenshu the podcast We will catch you next time, maybe with uh, some interesting thoughts on movie stuff, because we'll be putting out a few things in the coming week. Catch you later. 